Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so you'd say to yourself, all right, Dustin, I understand. Voting rights has changed. We don't vote the same way we did in the founding. More people vote now. Well, you have to say to yourself, wait a second, let's go back and think of that Mike, that uh, map that Mike Moore, Thomas Paine had described. You have all of Pennsylvania red and then the two cities, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, blue, right? You'd say, well, what does that have to do with what you just told us about? Well, what did I say, folks? White landowning men were the only ones who voted in the founding of our country, actually, for quite some time. Well, let's just look at some modern statistics here. This is from September 2017. I'm at census.gov, right, the government website. And the title is, Rural Residents More Likely to Own Homes Than Urban Residents, right? If owning a home is the American dream, rural Americans are more likely to achieve it. It says rural areas have higher home ownership rates than in urban areas, 81.1% compared to 59.8%. So you have 81% to 60% home ownership in rural areas versus in urban areas. So you have higher land ownership in rural areas than you do in cities. Well, the cities tend to go blue, and the rural areas tend to go red. So, I don't know. Did the founders have something in mind when they only had white landowning men voting in elections? Maybe. I'm not sure. I just happened to pull this up. I didn't start running charts and spreadsheets on this. I just thought it would be interesting to show you that in these red areas that we see on the maps, there's more landowners than there are in the blue areas that we see on the maps and if somebody wanted to do a study on this if there's an actuary out there if there's someone like wide awake jim who loves to break out the spreadsheets and figure this stuff out i'm sure you can show correlations between homeowners voting red and non-homeowners voting blue I'll just give you some additional data in case you want to dig around. It says, data from the five-year American Community Survey shows that the same pattern holds in all four regions. The largest difference is in the Northeast, where the home ownership rate is 83.8% in rural areas and 58.2% in urban areas. So it's basically 84% to 58%. It says home ownership rates increase as the proportion of the population in rural areas increases. Rates are higher 
both in completely rural and mostly rural counties than in mostly urban counties. All right, so just a little bit of data there. You have red areas with higher home ownership, and you have the founders saying that only land-owning men could vote, right? Only white land-owning men can vote. And if you think about black voters today, it's only 13% actually vote red, 87% vote blue. So if you go back to the founding and you took all of the black voters out today and all the non-landowners out today, you would probably be uh, winning elections because you would remove a large portion of the urban area, just taking out black voters and taking out non-landowning voters. Then if you took out the women voters, uh, which tend to vote blue in urban areas, boom, there you go. You would have the country that you wanted back of the founding. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying I agree with that. I don't want anyone to turn around and say I'm a racist, I'm a sexist, I'm a thisist, a thatist. I'm just giving you the facts. Stop pretending that you live in something, in a system, in a government that you don't live in. You don't live in that anymore. So it doesn't even make any sense, folks. Now, I pulled this up. This is from redfin.com. This is published in July 2016. The title is, Republicans are more likely to own homes and other true cliches. It says, liberals like cities conservatives like the country liberals want ethnically diverse neighborhoods conservatives want neighbors who share the same religious faith political cliches perhaps but research has shown these stereotypes are grounded in truth studies show an america divided by not just politics income and race but by place too. cleveland and philadelphia where republicans and democrats will gather this week and next to rally around their presidential candidates are no exception the political uh, battlegrounds of ohio and pennsylvania have an evenly divided electorate, meaning national candidates have to campaign with a fury to secure even a razor-thin lead. But that doesn't mean Republicans and Democrats in those states are throwing block parties together. And then it talks about blue downtowns, red suburbs. The Republican convention is being held in downtown Cleveland, which is deeply blue with Democrat voters, using data from Clarity, a Democrat analytics firm that scores zip codes according to the political leanings of their electorates. It's easy to see the region getting redder with conservative voters the further one gets from the city so this goes to tell you now again if you go look inside of those cities you're going to find more non-land owning folks you're going to find uh women you're going to find more black americans right well if you took those out of the equation uh as far as voters are concerned and went back to what our founding was well then you wouldn't have the problem that you folks are addressing see this is why i generally don't read or comment on uh, tweets i mean mike did a good job he's pointing out the truth but then i read all the comments under there and people are fighting about something that cannot be solved it cannot be solved but the point of this is to tell you again i'm just trying to drill this into your skull you don't live in the founding of the country all right this is just one example folks all right and let me just show you this just to sum up this thing right here and get it over with this is at uh 
uh, was it FermanCenter.org, the stoop. It says snapshot of home ownership in New York City. So if you take New York City, for example, it says in 2018, the New York City home ownership rate was 33%. Only 33% own homes in New York City, right? So you'd be able to take 67% of New York City out of the voting, right? Out of New York City, 67% gone, the non-homeowning group, but it varied by borough. The homeownership rate in Staten Island was 69%, far closer to the national rate, 64%, than any other borough. The Bronx had the lowest homeownership rate at 18%, right? So 82% of the people would not be allowed to vote there just on the fact that they didn't own homes. Out of the other 18 18%, you would be taking out black Americans, you'd be taking out women, you would have a very low voting rate. So therefore, the cities would actually no longer control the rural areas as far as legislators go. Do you see how that works? So do you understand now, I put a lot of time into this, uh, explaining it, not a lot of time doing the research, I already knew what I was going to find. And again, I'm not running numbers and charts, I'm just showing you that the problem that you want to complain about cannot be fixed the system has changed it's changed over the last almost 200 years so nothing is going to change the system will only get worse if you're someone who wants to win elections and live in a rural area or a suburb and you want to beat the cities that's just not going to happen the numbers aren't there it won't occur so you can't win the elections through voting you can't win by voting harder so you understand now that's a major one. The country you live in today is not the country you believe it is. It's not the system you believe it is. It's not the founding. You will not win elections. And so enough on that, folks. When I get back, I'm going to show you another major change in our country's history. It actually also has to do with elections. And then you're going to understand why half of the legislative branch, the senators, are who they are. Because the system we have today and how we elect them is not the system we had during the founding of this country. Everything in this country has been dismantled, has been replaced. On the big picture, on the macro level, we will eventually prove that technocracy runs the entire country. The culture of technocracy has permeated this country american culture is gone it does not exist there is really no culture under technocracy it is a culture that is driven by science and technology and that's how decisions will be made not real science folks fake science but let me show you how we change the way we vote for senators when we get back just another example of why the country you live in today is not the country that you believe we live in i'll be right back this is dust to go with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, this is not in any way designed to black pill you or to drive you into deep, dark depression. It's designed to wake you up, make you understand that you are living in an illusion, an illusion in your own mind. It's illusion of choice when you go out and vote. It's all rigged. It's rigged from day one. It's rigged down to the deepest levels, folks. I mean, first off, I brought this up, but if you were in Pennsylvania and your choice was Oz or Fetterman, that's rigged because you don't want either of them. Neither of them are going to represent your interest. Neither of them are wonderful, fantastic men and patriots. All right. So it's rigged at that level. Then can they rig the voting machine? Sure, they could, folks. They don't even need to rig the voting machines. How do you find out who won an election? Some blue check mark on Twitter tells you. The Fetterman or Oz won the election? What, some dude on TV, Tucker Carlson or Anderson Cooper, is going to tell you that Fetterman won the election? They can just have those guys say the person won the election. And as far as you're concerned, you're looking at a bar graph, a chart on TV news, which is government propaganda telling you that someone won the election. So they don't even need to rig the polls. They don't need to rig the machines. When you go into the school to vote... All right. At least the last time I was involved with local elections, we had our Republican committee cut up at the three or four different schools you could vote at. I can't, it was a while ago, 15 years ago. And so what we would do is we would check the numbers with the Democrat Party and then we call those into our candidates headquarters, which was down at a bar, you know, a pizza place in a bar. We'd say, oh, Veronica won this district here. And that, that's how it worked, right? So everything could be rigged at that level. There is no system. There's no group of honest brokers that sits there and counts the votes. The electronic machines could be rigged the whole thing's rigged but it's rigged by the two people that you have uh, a choice to elect those people are not the best people on the planet so it's rigged at that level and then we know the system was rigged when they started changing the rules shortly after the so-called founding of the country so it was rigged all the way back then and then i just gave you examples with that history.com article that the system was changed just in that article 19 times it changed and there's a lot more than that throughout history with voting across federal rules state rules everything else it's changed hundreds of times so you're not voting in the system that existed in the founding that you keep referencing that system is gone long gone doesn't exist you won't undo it you know what the solution is break away civilization and we set up new rules if we want to sit there and base it on the articles of confederation or on the constitution and the bill of rights then that's a conversation and a debate that can be had if we want to sit there and plug the holes and fix the mistakes because the constitution was not perfect as everyone thinks and people say well it's a better system than any other system in the history of the world really you've studied every system in the history of the world no i'm sure you haven't you haven't even studied this system based on what it was in the founding or you would have realized that we are not operating based on that system so it can't be the greatest system in the history of the world if it's not the system that you're claiming it is it's not the system of the founding 
Not even close. So which system are you defending? The system of the founding that allowed the changes to be made to bring us to this system? Or are you defending this system that now you're claiming is rigged and you can't win elections? Which system are you defending in the lineage of systems over the last 250 years? I don't even know. I'm confused. I feel like Dr. Seuss just having to sit there and explain that. Let's talk about U.S. senators, folks. I'm over at cliffnotes.com. Cliffsnotes.com. How were U.S. senators originally chosen? Senators of the United States Congress were originally chosen by state legislatures citizens would not vote for their state legislatures i mean citizens would vote for their state legislatures and those legislatures legislators would vote a man into the u.s senate all right let's step back for a minute how do we do it today how do we do it today well you have two senators that represent your state there's a hundred senators in the united states senate right so those senators have a six-year term. Okay, so it's Dustin Gold running against Maria Albanese for the junior senator seat. That means the senior senator is sitting right now. Maybe he's in the middle of a term. He's three years in. But now I'm running against Maria Albanese. Well, I create a campaign committee. She creates a campaign committee. Let's say she's the uh, Republican and I am the nobody party. I'm the nobody party because there's no... uh, Uh, Democrat Party in this race. And so the two of us run head to head and everyone goes to the polls from the whole entire state and they are voting for either Maria or Dustin. Well, that's not how it worked, folks. That's not how it worked. In the founding of our country, senators of the United States Congress were originally chosen by state legislatures. Citizens would vote for their state legislators, as you currently do, and those legislators would vote a man into the U.S. Senate. Now, there was a reason for this, folks. There was a reason for this, and if this doesn't explain it, I will explain it to you. It says... At the beginning of the 20th century, though many states had begun to use the popular vote to elect U.S. senators, but it wasn't a direct election. The election appeared on ballots as a referendum, and the results of that referendum were then confirmed by the state legislature. Hear that? At the beginning of the 20th century, though many states had begun to use the popular vote to elect U.S. senators, but it wasn't a direct election. The election appeared on ballots as a referendum, and the results of that referendum were then confirmed by the state legislature. So the state legislature still had control. It says in 1913, however, the 17th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution standardized the popular election of senators throughout the entire country. The 17th Amendment also gave a state's acting governor the power to appoint someone to the U.S. Senate in the event of a vacancy, like if somebody died or had to leave because, unfortunately, that politician had brain cancer. I'm so sad for them. But it says 1913. Now, remember that. That's a very important year, 1913. We're going to get to some other changes throughout our country's history where I'm going to show you you're not in the system that you believe you're in. So right there, 1913, 17th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution standardized the popular election of senators, okay, throughout the entire country. So it went from 
you electing your state legislator, he goes to the state legislature, they then vote out of their ranks for a senator. Then to the popular vote where Maria and Dustin run head to head. The other way it would have worked is Maria and Dustin become legislators uh, from our respective districts in the state. And then if we want to run, we're trying to run amongst the other legislators. It says, because this amendment gives a single individual the power to appoint a U.S. senator, many states' rights advocates have called for repeal of the 17th Amendment. They argue that this gubernatorial power bypasses the democratic process. They're talking about the ability for the governor to select a senator in the case of a vacancy. It says, although it's easy to see how such power could be misused, consider the recent scandal involving Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich. Well, it's not so recent anymore. It says it can be wielded to create change for the better. For example, five of the first six women to serve in the U.S. Senate were appointed to that position by their state governors. Well, it can be wielded to create change for the better. So selecting five of the first six women uh, at the hands of one governor made things better, like just having a woman as a senator makes things, I just don't understand that, that's just total corruption, but let's make the point here, I want to explain this to you, the reason why the system was designed that it was, was back when the country was in its founding and it was small. You had these districts that elected their state legislator. They were very small. So generally, people knew who their state legislator was. Like, hey, Bob, you'd see him down at the general store. Well, then Bob goes to the legislature with all the other state legislators. And amongst all the Bobs, they select one of themselves to go there. Now, if Bob makes a bad choice, you're Bob you people show up at his house with a pitchfork and a torch and you tell him to get the other bob out of the senate he's a piece of trash right so you were more accountable you that was a representative form of government you elected the state legislator on a very small level in a very small district and then you could burn his house down if he sent a scumbag to represent you in washington well now you're voting for a senator head on some guy who runs tv ads that you've never met in your entire life the other reason is it generally created remember when we used to talk about term limits on the conservative side we don't do that anymore but we talked about term limits well one of the reasons why they did this was because it almost automatically put term limits into place why because you had a bunch of state legislators who all were power hungry little freaks and they were going to let bob go serve one term in the senate and then bob you're done it's my turn so therefore, boom, they were out of there. They didn't end up sitting in the Senate for 112 years like they do today. You see, if you go back to the founding, there were some rules that were created that actually made a hell of a lot of sense. This way... Um, you could get that person thrown out of there real fast if he did a bad job. The state legislators were able to repeal him and basically pull him out of there. And so it was a much better system. Now you get a senator in there. He's entrenched. He's got lobbyists, all kinds of corporate money behind him. That guy is not leaving because they don't invest $10 million into somebody's campaign unless they're seating him there for life. So you understand that now? There is another major change 
in the history of our country on how we select half of the legislative branch completely changed from the founding rules are completely changed it changed our entire system and yet you still want to believe that you live in the founding we don't these are the things that most people don't understand so you understand that we now allowed a lot more people to vote in the founding of our country it was roughly two and a half million people okay and only 500,000 of them were actually allowed to vote 500,000 20% of the actual population was allowed to vote so now of the voting population, basically 100% minus felons, say 99% are allowed to vote. So you ask yourself how that changed, why it's so much different. Well, look at what we did. Now you want to know how you select senators? Look what happened. It's not the same system. So again, if you say we're the greatest system that ever existed, the greatest form of government that ever existed, which form of government are you talking about? The form of government in 1776, 1780, 1810, 1820, 1845, 1912. I mean, which form of government are you talking about? Because we are not the same form of government that we were when this country was founded. When I get back, wait until you see another major change in the history of the United States that made us not the country that you believe we are actually living in. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, I'll lift the veil on another major change. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold